you know, we just can't afford to lose four individuals. I'd say Johnny Gibson Park, probably Andrew Porter, and I would say probably Doris. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us, everyone in. And today's other Six Nations match is the Calcutta Cup game involving England and Scotland at Twickenham. It kicks off at 4.45. We're delighted to have on the line England's former World Cup winner and the Champions Cup winner with Leicester, Neil Back. Neil, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Um, looking forward to the Six Nations. As I expect, all the Irish are. Absolutely. Number one in the world and, you know, let's hope we get another Northern Hemisphere World Cup winner at the end of the year. Big time, Neil. Yeah, so Eddie Jones is gone. Steve Borthwick's in, your ex-Leicester uh, manager and your former teammate with England. He's brought, what, Kevin Sinfield from the Rugby League Arena to be defence coach. Nick Evans is in as attack coach. Can England reset quickly, Neil? Uh, what needs to change? I think with that group of coaches, what you're going to get is that uh, particularly Borthwick and Sinfield is a team that's difficult to beat, whether that's enough to to win a championship, a Grand Slam or a World Cup later on at the end of the year, we don't know. While all three coaches are very experienced players, you know, pretty experienced coaches, apart from Kevin, obviously, because he's new to the game. But um, having known him when I was up at, at Leeds, he's a, you know, tremendous rugby player. Um, you know, we tried for a couple of years to get him across to Union, but the CEO wouldn't have it. Um, he wanted to come across because it achieved everything really in rugby league. He wanted to see if he could do it in union, but didn't take that opportunity. But now he's got an opportunity as a coach to to be a part of a successful England team, hopefully, in the future. Did you feel that things had got stale under Eddie Jones, Neil? There was booze at Twickenham at the South Africa game. Did you feel a change was needed? Well, it was 100% needed. Uh, whether the time was right um, and whether, you know, we let Eddie go without any sort of holding so he, could, he couldn't go anywhere else because, you know, he, he's now coaching one of our enemies, um, you know, and we're likely to meet them, hopefully, in the quarterfinal. So it, uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, but um, I think he, he started off really well. A lot. He's a top coach, there's no question about that. I think... Um, Towards the end, um, they had so many very good players around. Uh, it always was looking, from my point of view, for the next shiny object instead of getting an object and, and polishing it and making it better. So there was no continuity in the team. So I questioned the timing, but it's happened. Uh, and hopefully uh, Steve will have the same impact that Eddie did when he came into it because they, I think they won a Grand Slam that first year. So hopefully uh, Borthers and team can do the same. I think Nick Evans is is the glue there, honestly. I think um, his acquisition um, with Kevin and Borthwick, I felt, uh, you know, we were missing something. I think with Nick Evans there, um, and particularly his guidance over a young potential world superstar in the future, Marcus Smith, I think having him in the squad, he's, he's got the best out of him at club level and hopefully he can get the best out of him at uh, international level as well. The scrum, there's a feeling within England that the scrum is not where it should be, 
potentially. Is Steve Worthwick the man to, to fix that? Is, is he? What's his philosophy like? Obviously, he had the success at Leicester, but when you think about England, you think about Twickenham, you think about the momentum that an England team can get is generally from the scrum at the outset, the bedrock. Yeah, look, um, there's some good uh, front five units out there. There's no question about that in the Six Nations, and particularly in world rugby. So England, you know, have got a challenge now because, you know, they've got good players. A number of their players are playing at, for a club in England that, that's not doing brilliantly well. Um, so they will be tested. Um, and thankfully, over the years, particularly uh, Genge and Sinclair, you know, they're a bit fiery early on and you, you need that. Remind me of the Garforth, Cockers and Roundtrees back in the day. But they found a way that you need to be disciplined. In the modern game, you need to be disciplined. Um, you know, you can't give cheap penalties away. You can't, you know, spend 10 minutes in the bin or worse. You've got to keep the players on the pitch. So I think they've matured there. So it's, it's tough because... Ireland like on fire you know France won 10 out of 10 games last year um, so there's tough games to come but hopefully England playing Scotland at home Italy away and then Wales away hopefully we'll get through those games find a way to win and then the, the real sort of challenge comes uh, playing against France at home and then obviously Ireland, as we did 20 years ago, uh, in their own backyard. So, tough games, but look, that's that's what you play for. You don't want to play the easy games. You want to play hard games. You want to, you know, give everything for the shirt, and hopefully that's enough to, to get you the win. As an open side uh, in the past, Neil, what's the best way of curbing a player like Finn Russell, who's so magical when he's on song? Well, it, it's the whole team. Uh, has got to give a collective pressure and with Kevin Sinfield, um, you know, he'll be banging that message home. Um, one mistake, one relax, one lack of bit of concentration and there's a gap. And these types of players like Marcus Smith can take those opportunities. So it's about the whole team, but, you know, the best way, you know, to, to stop players like him is not to let them have good, quick ball and on on the front foot. So you've got to negate their opportunities um, and just slow the ball down and give them slow ball or on the back foot. If they're on the front foot and going forward and it's quick ball, one, two second rocks, then they're dangerous players. In Ireland, we've had a, a really bad run in World Cups. We, we generally peak outside of World Cup cycles, Neil. And in 2019, for example, England came here to Dublin and, and pumped us, and we never really covered that year. Um, in '03, when you came to Ireland and you won the Grand Slam, did you feel there was a connection and a, a, a momentum from the Six Nations win that you had that year and the World Cup you subsequently won in Australia? 100%, because going into that World Cup year in 2003, We'd, we'd basically won four out of five games and four championships on the bounce. And three of those were the last game of those championships. So, you know, going into that final game against Ireland, Ireland are always difficult, home or away, wherever you play them. You know, they're in your face. They're like, there's quality, there's grit there, there's physicality, there's skill. You know, they're, they're brilliant. And, that, and that's why they are where they are in, in the world rankings at the moment. They're number one. The team to beat. So, um, 
I remember sitting down, and this is no disrespect to Ireland, but when you say that, it's someone's going to... I, I sat down that breakfast as, like, um, I'd have been 34 then, um, experienced player, um, been around the block a bit. Um, and I, I went into that, that, that game, and I, I could see there's a few players around me that were a bit nervous, and I just said, look, we're going to beat them by 40 today. We've won four games by then. We'd learned from those defeats over those previous um, three um, Six Nations competitions where we won, uh, won four out of five. I could see there was a bit of nervousness because we got there, nearly got there. And I just said, oh, we'll win by 40. Oh, maybe Ireland will get six points. And unfortunately, at the end of that game, um, Paul Grayson come on and kicked a conversion from the right-hand side in a howling wind, and he got it over. So he broke my prediction. We won 42 points to six. But that, beating a side as good as Ireland, as good as that, a few months ahead of the World Cup, give us tremendous belief. We went into that World Cup having won 15 out of 16 games on the bounce. We lost one game against France, um, game 15 by a point. Which we should have won that game, but it was brilliant because it grounded everyone. We played on the following week and beat them by about 30 points. So we were back in that winning zone. But all these games all add up. If, if England were to um, beat Scotland, uh, Ireland at the end of this tournament, yeah. Ireland are the number one team at the moment. You know, Ireland and France, you know, margin between them, they are the form team. They are, you know, up there with the teams that are going to win a World Cup later in this year. There's no question about that. That Ireland are going to get beyond the quarterfinal this year. I'm sure they've got the belief. Andy Farrell's there at the helm. I'm sure they'll have the belief this year. They've got the squad. They're playing phenomenally well at club and uh, internationally. So, um, without question, if you beat good teams like Ireland, are always a good team, always a good challenge. It gives you a lot of confidence. How do you see the health of rugby at the moment, uh, Neil? I mean, there was that radical plan about tackles being outlawed below the waist in England, amateur rugby. I know you've come out against that. Do you feel that protection is there for players now? Are there too many collisions? Is the game safer than it was when you played it? Um, I think there's different elements to this because without question... um, I mean, I was always small as a player in terms of height. Um, so nothing changed for me. I mean, my first coach taught me how, how to tackle when I was about four, um, three to a seven, when I moved to another coach. And the technique he taught me then, and he was a prop at a local junior club here who played and coached until he was 72 and died, bless him. Um the technique he, he taught me, I used throughout my whole career um, in three World Cups on three Lions tours against the best players in the world, and it served it served me well. So for me, when that wasn't a big issue to me, because um, I've done it all my life. And some players that will play in this Six Nations, this World Cup later this year, I've coached them, and they use that technique, a similar technique. Obviously. Um, a lot of uh, high tackles have come in to shoot the ball off. I understand that. But 
these these regulations, I, I, I don't think it's a big thing. They're, they're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and I think, um, you know, back through my playing career, if, if you had a knock, unless you, like, were knocked out, there was no one watching you. You've got people now watching you off the ball. You know, they're not following the ball, they're following the players. Um, and the protocols in place now are much better. Um, what we need to do is agree the standard, the protocols, and all adopt them and not try and sort of sure, find a shortcut to, to getting back, players back earlier. So we, we do, I think we're moving in the right direction without question. Um, but, you know, um, it's a contact sport, you know, there, there's going to be um, injuries. You know, if I knew what I knew now, I would not change anything I've done in my right. career. Okay. So do you worry about the hits you suffered? Like you straddled the amateur and pro eras, as you said, maybe there's less protection then. Is it just a case of, look, that's what I wanted to do. That's what I love doing. Um. Look, I, I've taken part in studies. Um, actually, I, I've only um, did the testing um, last week. Um, and hopefully that data will help me know where I am and will help pe- players in the future, um, you know, the powers that be to make it a safer environment. But look, it, it is a contact sport. You know, I don't care what anyone says. You always knew that. If, if you didn't know that, you, you, I think you're, you're lying. You, you knew there was risk of injury. Um, so any sort of sensible um, regulation that's brought in to make the game safe, well, I applaud that. But, you know, we don't want to get to a stage when we're playing touch. So... So you don't feel that there's obviously a lot of newspaper articles and like the, the, there's a legal case, as we know, well-documented case about you know head injuries and that. You don't think the game is facing an existential crisis in the next couple of decades over this issue of, of brain injury? Well, you know, if, if people are after a payout, then I don't sort of agree with that because I think... Everyone know, knew and, and knows that playing a contact sport, that there's risk of injury. Um, I think what's great about the game now is they're trying to find a solution and, and put the best protocols in place to prevent um, you know, serious in, injuries in the future. But you're not going to eradicate them because it is a contact sport. So... You know, what I don't want to see on contracts is like some some box, tick box that you've got to tick, acknowledging that because we all know that anyway. You don't have to tick a box. You, you know it's a contact sport. And you, what, what we've got to get better at is recognising if a player is injured and getting them off the pitch straight away. And that's already happening down the HIAs. And, you know, I don't think there's a doctor out there that's going to ignore the evidence they collect when that player is injured. So, um, you know, this chat about if you tackle low, you're going to hit the hip, the knee or whatever. But 
if you tackle high, that can happen. So for me, um, you know, it's moving, it's, it's moving in the right direction. Um, but you'll, you'll never get to a, a safe place playing a contact sport. I wouldn't have the knowledge you have, Neil. I'm just, just as a as a lay person here. I looked at the Barbarians' fiftieth anniversary of that brilliant try, and you know it was an amateur game back then, and they spread the ball all across the pitch, and it was amazing stuff. Um, but is the game not now about more collision than evasion? Has rugby evolved into a game of direct collision as opposed to evasion? And is maybe that one way of of solving the concerns people have without it becoming touch, as you say? Yeah. Look, the yeah the, the average player now, um, you know, you've got to some exceptions out are heavier, and they are um, more athletic. So the collisions, you know, I, I don't take it that the players are faster because I don't believe that, but they are bigger on on general. You know, and I don't know the stats. You don't need to know the stats. You only have to look at the players. They're bigger. So if they're running at the same pace and they're bigger, the contacts are going to be heavier and harder. Um, so you can, you know, it's already happened now that they are reducing the amount of contact in training. And that's fine because you don't need, um, you know, look, looking back to our training programmes, some of them, when you look back, were mindless because we did the endless minutes of, of contact, defence and attack. And you didn't need to do that much. Um, it's like in football now, you know, headering, you don't need to do, head a lot like, hundred balls in yeah. a week. You reduce it. Like if, if you look at like like Wilco, Johnny Wilkerson, like used to kick hundreds of balls um, a week, but then he got repetitive strain injury. So to reduce the amount of kicking he, he did in a week, it still sort of tested and challenged him. So instead of doing, you know, 100 kicks, he'd do 10 kicks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he'd, he'd want to get, he'd, he'd, his, his aim was to get 100%. You know what I mean? So if you got 9 out of 10, he got 9%. If you kick nine, 100 balls and you hit 90, it's the same little ratio. So in a game... When it's about winning, you don't really kick more than ten opportunities in a game. The odd game you do, but you know, make it sensible, and and then then you're testing yourself, putting pressure. But the challenge is still there. We could we could do the same um, with sort of contact because um, you know. Some of the coaches that, that I've worked under over the years, um, literally, some of the contact sessions, you know, it was more about your mentality and able to, to get through it mentally more than physically. But, um, and, 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 you know, that they, they did answer some good questions and tested people mentally, but you, d- you don't need to do the volume. So it's taken volume. Quality, you know, quality training is better than just lots of training. Yeah. Just do it well. And then that becomes autonomous and you take that onto the, onto the rugby field. And your prediction for Ireland and for your own country, England, in the Six Nations, how do you think it's going to go? Any Grand Slams for anybody this year, Neil? See, 
Ireland have got England last game, aren't they? Yeah, in Dublin, um, yeah. Patrick's weekend, yeah. Yeah, and you've, you've got France at home. Yeah. So, game two. So, I expect you to get off to an away win against Wales. Um, you know, if you can beat France second game in your own backyard, then it, it's yours to lose, isn't it? You could be on for a slam. And for England, the hope is what you just stabilise, you maybe finish third and, and anything above that is a bonus. Well, England finished third last year, but we had, we had a poor year. Like England won five out of 13 games last year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not, it, it wasn't, wasn't a great year. So I think that that is a benchmark um, for Borthwick to aim at, to f- finish behind the rank one and two teams in the world. Because I think we're ranked uh, like fifth at the moment. So that that would be be good. But Borthwick won't be thinking, and Simfield and Nick Evans and that squad won't be thinking anything other than winning five out of five. But let's see how they go. You know, they've got tough opening game. You know, if, if they win that game, then obviously Italy at home and then we're off to Wales. So we're up and running, but like I said earlier, the, the, the game's for us. But we've got to get the first three out of the way first. are going to be France and Ireland at the back end of this tournament. So bring it on. Yeah, we just can't afford to lose four individuals. I'd say Johnny Gibson Park, probably Andrew Porter, and I would say probably Doris. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now.